Well, um, all the accountants and uh, bookkeepers uh, know what uh, yesterday was, don't they? It was the... Or Friday, was it? Well, the end of the financial year. Yesterday was the start of, uh, of the new financial year. And so this morning I thought um, we would t- touch on that touchy subject, uh, finance, uh, but probably come from a, from a, from a different angle uh, perhaps this morning. Um, the Bible has a lot to say about, uh, about money and possessions. I personally haven't um, counted all the scriptures, but apparently there are about 500 references uh, to prayer in the Bible, which is quite a lot. But there are over 2,350 um, scriptures related to money and possessions. And so we know that prayer is obviously very important, but I guess if you were to um, judge things by, by the number of times something's mentioned, it sounds like uh, money and possessions carry some kind of weight uh, within scripture. And uh, somebody has commented that about two-thirds of Jesus' parables uh, refer to money and possessions. So this is quite, a, quite an important subject. Um, the Bible outlines many uh, practical principles on how we can um, conduct our financial affairs. Uh, I guess how to, how to order our finances and, and um, the kind of attitudes that we should, would carry uh, towards uh, money and possessions. And so the Bible encourages us to do a few things. Uh, one, it encourages us to live within our means, within a kind of a credit card-driven um, generation. That's a really challenging thing to do, isn't it? To live within our means. Um, the Bible also encourages us to give generously. The Bible encourages us to um, save. Um, the Bible also encourages us to um, spend sensibly, um, to be perhaps frugal. That's not a word that's particularly in vogue today. But being frugal is something that's mentioned um, in the book of Proverbs. Um, here's a good one. Um, minimize uh, your debt. Sorry, these aren't in order, are they? Oh, they are? Okay, minimize your debt. Then here's a good one for our... Where's my son? He's disappeared. That's good. He won't get to hear this one. Um, oh, he is. He is. Yeah. Uh, you'll like this one. Uh, Create an inheritance um, for our children. <laughs> you like that one, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's actually an important biblical principle of actually leaving behind a legacy uh, for our kids. And when you look in the book of Proverbs, we t- sometimes spiritualize that and we say, oh, it's an inheritance of spirituality. Actually, uh, in, in, the New- in the Old Testament, certainly, it was very much... Um, a, a financial, uh, financial legacy. Um, be cautious about going guarantor. I, I've, I've, I got caught on this one once. Once. Um, a friend of ours um, had a business uh, that he was uh, launching and needed some, uh, to borrow some money. And Lou and I decided to go guarantor for, for him. A really, really nice man, but um, he kind of couldn't, uh, his, his project failed, and as a result, Lou and I were left uh, carrying the can for that one. Uh, so we learnt, uh, we went against that biblical um, uh, uh, kind of uh, directive there. The Bible also encouraged us to plan and prepare for our future, and we're so blessed to live in Australia where 
uh, we have a, an enforced savings program with our, with our superannuation scheme. Um, the other thing is that as you go into the Bible, you discover that wealth is amoral. That is, it's neither um, good nor, nor bad. Um, um, money and possessions are not inherently evil. We've kind of, you might have heard that scripture, uh, the, the love of money is the root of all evil. Well, we've actually, uh, the, the problem with, with money is the love of money, not money in and of itself. Money is a, um, an amoral moral thing. God is not opposed to us having money. He's, God's certainly not opposed to us having possessions or stuff. What God is opposed to is when those things have a hold on us, when they possess us rather than us possessing them. And then the other thing is that um, uh, the other kind of the primary thing that God, God directs us toward is to um, serve God and not mammon. And uh, that, that word there, mammon, um, probably the best way for us to understand that today is materialism. Uh, we're not to be materialistic. And um, the God of our life is to be um, the God, God in heaven, not uh, money or possessions. And all of these principles are really um, important components of building a really wise um, financial foundation for our lives. And they should um, steer and guide our decision-making. But there's also one um, dimension to biblical economics, which I think is um, incredibly important, and one that we should also be aware of and, and give some acknowledgement to, and that is God's supernatural supply. God's supernatural supply. And whilst we should do everything that we can to save and to budget and to plan and to be wise uh, stewards of the resources that God has given us, we should also be open to God providing for us in supernatural and miraculous ways. And um, Warren's talk this morning about the supernatural provision uh, for his, his in-laws is a really good example of that. And I love that little diagram there of, of how God kind of works in, in a, on our behalf when we're in need. We throw up a prayer to God and God then speaks to somebody's heart and then uh, they become a conduit or a channel for God's provision in our lives. And we see this um, principle of God's um, supernatural supply throughout the Bible. In Exodus 3, for example, we read about the Israelites who had been in, um, in slavery in Egypt um, for over 400 years. And God said to them, before you leave Egypt, what I want you to do is I want you to knock on your neighbor's door and say to your Egyptian neighbor, um, give us your gold and all of your valuable um, possessions um, because we're, we're going on a journey and we're going to need those resources. And somehow this miracle took place um, where they did that. Can you imagine going, knocking on your neighbor's door and saying, uh, you know that uh, flat screen TV that you've got? I really like the look of that and um, I'm taking it. We call it theft today. Um, God has another kind of uh, view on that one. Um, this miracle occurred where the Egyptians handed over all of their, their gold and their valuable items. And um, some um, theologians and scholars suggest that uh, the nation of Israel received in that one day uh, recompense for 400 years of unpaid labor. They got paid in one day uh, for all of those 400 years of slavery. 
Um, then again, we see this principle of God's supernatural supply when uh, the nation of Israel was uh, wandering through the wilderness. Um, they see, received God's miraculous provision of manna, which was like this, um, well, nobody knows what it is, this, this white substance which they baked and cooked and fried and boiled and, and lived off. And also quail fell down from, from the sky and they lived on manna and, and quail. Um, they also, uh, in Exodus 17, when they needed water, uh, you know the story, Moses uh, struck the rock and the water comes out when they were in need. And there is also in, um, in Deuteronomy 8, chapter 8, it tells us that when the nation of Israel were in the wilderness um, for those 40 years, their clothes didn't wear out. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? I've got a flannelette shirt which Louise wants to throw out. It's my favourite shirt, and it's got tears and rips in it, but I just love it, and I just kind of wish this principle of Deuteronomy chapter 8 would kind of apply to my nice, kind of bright um, flannelette shirt. Then in 2 Kings chapter 4, we read the story of a widow whose creditors were coming to take away uh, her two sons as payment for uh, her debt. And it just so happened that Elisha, the prophet, was uh, staying at her place, and he says to her, you know, what do you have? And she said, all I've got is a little bit of oil. And so Elisha instructs her to go to knock on the door of all of her neighbors and gather together all of the containers that they've got. And then uh, he takes that little bit of oil that she has, and somehow there is this miracle of God's supernatural supply where that oil keeps being poured into one um, vessel, another jar, another jar, another jar, until all of the jars are filled up with olive oil. And then he says to now go and sell that oil, take the money that you receive as payment for that oil, and pay off your creditors and keep your sons. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? Um, and then in 1 Kings 17, we read that Elijah the prophet is, is fed by, by ravens. Morning and night, he receives his bre bread and meat. That's pretty supernatural. We kind of think, oh, well, the, that's the Old Testament. You come to expect that kind of thing, those kind of stories. But when we jump into the New Testament, um, there's the story of, of Jesus um, at, the, at his first miracle uh, at the wedding of Cana. This young couple get married and they run out of wine. And um, in response to that, Jesus turns, and I love this, 700 litres of water are turned into this beautiful uh, Pinot Noir. It's absolutely stunning. It's a grange or something like that. It's just stunning. 700 litres of water somehow miraculously turned into wine. Supernatural provision. And then um, uh, there's a story in Matthew 17 where Jesus and his disciples, it's tax time, and uh, the disciples come to Jesus and say, Jesus, we've got to pay, pay the temple tax. And uh, Jesus says, well, not a problem. Why don't you go fishing? And when you go fishing, uh, you'll catch a fish. And in the mouth of the fish, there'll be a coin which will be sufficient to pay your tax and my tax. Wouldn't that be fantastic? <laughs> tax time. Let's go fishing. Let's say, you know, my mother used to say to me, Stephen, what do you think? Money grows on trees. And uh, I, I wish I had have known this scripture at the time. I said, it might not grow on trees, but you'll find it in the mouths of fishes, you know. It's, um, it's to be had there if, if you kind of uh, look hard enough. Um, 
These are all kind of remarkable stories, aren't they? And, I, and you can write them off as, as myths if you like, but what they do for me is they inspire me to believe for God's supernatural supply in my life. Those stories inspire me to believe that God will somehow meet the needs of Bayview Church. We're discovering all of these people that were actually offered the senior pastor role at Bayview Church. And there was a lot of them turned them down. I met somebody about a week ago who said they were offered this job that I'm now in. And there are lots of them. And I realized after a while, um, what, what, what's wrong with us? Why did we accept it when really, really other talented and gifted people were, turned it down? And it turns out in conversation with these people was the fact that uh, this church owes $1.6 million worth of debt on the property. And they just didn't want to take that on. But I believe in God's supernatural supply. I don't know how God's going to do it, but there's going to come a time where that $1.6 million debt will be all paid out. And it might mean bringing lots of jars in here with olive oil and kind of going out and saying, I don't know how it's going to happen. Lots of fishing. We're going to have to do something. But somehow, there's no way a church of this size can pay off that debt. But that's okay. Because in our experience, we have learnt that God is a great provider. Um. When Louise and I first got married, we were in, in Bible college and we were working part-time. We were, we were, we were um, in a, part of a missions um, organization. And the way we lived our life was we would just pray and say, God, what do you want us to do? Where do you want us to, Do you want us to go on that missions trip? Now, the fact that we didn't have money uh, was not an issue for us. We, just, we didn't have a mortgage. We didn't have kids. It was just kind of us together on this journey with God. And we discovered that God is incredibly faithful and incredibly good. And we discovered that the important thing in, in life was actually hearing God's voice and obeying God. Hearing God's voice and obeying God. And we've got story after story after story of God coming through for us time and time and time again. And we kind of lived our lives in such a way that not only were we the recipients of kind of God's um, uh, financial provision, but we also loved being a, a channel or a conduit towards uh, being a blessing to those fellow students that we were uh, uh, working alongside. Um, so we'd given away guitars and golf clubs. We gave away a car. But there was one day where there was a group of young guys who were part of our missions organization were living in a house together. And they were whinging and complaining because all they ate was sausages. So Lou and I, we had very, very little money, but we thought, let's bless, let's bless those guys. And we gave the kind of the housekeeper who was um, the uh, house parent of the house they were in and said, look, here's some money, go and buy them some steak so they'll stop whinging and complaining about the sausages. So we blessed them, and they were really happy because they had steak. About a week later, I'm not lying, our neighbours um, knocked on our door and said, our son is a, a butcher, 
And he's given us all of this fantastic meat, and we can't fit it into our freezer. Would you like some of this stuff? And Louise just brought in armful after armful after armful of the best quality cuts of meat. It was amazing. This miracle of, of sowing meat and reaping meat. We, um, we got married and um, Louise fell pregnant. Uh, we were on a missions trip um, in, in, in Eastern Europe and Louise fell pregnant and we came back to Australia and we were staying with Louise's mum and um, uh, she wasn't a uh, wasn't a follower of Jesus as, uh, uh, in the way that we would under, understand. And um, she wasn't very happy that her daughter was married to somebody like me, um, who was a, a minister. And she was questioning, um, questioning our lifestyle. And she was basically saying, Stephen, why don't you get yourself a proper job? And, you know, what are you doing? You know, you're, you're traveling the world and you're doing this stuff and you just need to get yourself a proper job. And I try to explain to her the call of God upon our lives and how God was a provider. And the more I spoke to her about God's provision, the more annoyed she became. And she was saying, Stephen, you're an absolute idiot. You know, you are a fool to think that God somehow supernaturally and miraculously will keep on providing for you. And so it was getting very, very tense. And I said, look, um, my, I, could, I could go out. The, I heard the uh, postie arrive and uh, deliver some mail. I said, you know, my, I could go out to that post box right now. And who knows, there could be a check in the mail for $2,000. Well, she just was like, you're a nutcase. And it felt really humiliated. I felt really humiliated. And so I kind of said, okay, let's, we're not getting anywhere. I went out to the mailbox. You'll never guess what happened. Or I went, into the, went out to the, to the mailbox. There was a letter. And I opened it up. And it was a check for $2,000. I did a little jig on the front lawn. <laughs> I was like, yes, yes, yes. Uh, I was no longer humble. <laughs> and I walked inside and Louise and her mum were chatting and I just popped the, le- popped the letter down in front of Louise and um, she said, what's that? And I said, um, it's a cheque for $2,000. <laughs> we bought our first home. Um, with $200 in the bank. I went to see the bank manager literally with $2 in my pocket. We had $200 in the bank. And my income at the time was about $250 a week. Um, But I felt God speak to me and say, I'm going to provide a house for you. And I said to Louise, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I just feel somehow God is going to Give us the opportunity to buy a house. And I said, what I feel we need to do is we need to start looking and start packing. And within, what, three months, we found ourselves in our first home. $200 in the bank. God is a good God. God is faithful. God provides. In Matthew chapter 14, uh, verses 15 through to 21... 
is a story of God's miraculous uh, provision. It says, As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. And Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, Jesus gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then Jesus gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. And the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. How do we respond when we find ourselves in a, in a, in a financial place of financial crises or financial need? Well, first of all, um, we need to acknowledge our need. In verse 17, um, the disciple says, We have only, only have five loaves of bread and two fish. I believe that sometimes God in his goodness actually arranges circumstances so that we come to the end of our own resources. And we run out because God wants us to run into his provision. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations just like Jesus did, where the demands exceed our own resources. When we were pastoring in Newcastle, um, we ran a program um, called Soul Cafe, and we provided breakfast and lunch um, six days a week uh, for the homeless and marginalised. We just put up our hands as a church and said, we will care for the poor of our community. We had a group of about 200 people, thereabouts, who looked to us as their, kind of their, their, their church, who were from more vulnerable um, uh, part of, of the community. And we, we had employed three uh, chefs, uh, full-time, three full-time chefs, and one pastoral care worker just to care for the needy in our community. And uh, to do that was a huge, financially, the financial demands were huge, and we're fortunate we received government support, but that, there's no way that met the, the, the demands we had. It was one day where Louise, I uh, was sitting down ready to um, have a meeting and pray with uh, our interns. We had a group of interns in the church at that time, and I said to Louise, Louise, what needs do you have today that we can pray for you? And she said, well, actually, we need $5,000 today in order to pay the bills on top of everything else that we, we require. I said, okay, well, we'll said to the interns, let's, let's pray today for a miracle. Let's pray for $5,000 to come in today. We're praying, and um, in my office there was a window there, and Louise came with it, held up a check. The window was, I don't know what, how much it was for, Maybe it's a hundred and something dollars. This was over and above. Then she came, knocked, on, knocked on the window again. There was another check. Well, I remember one of them was a, for a royalty um, payment. We had a recording studio and we received this unexpected royalty payment for our, our, our albums. And then there was another kind of knock on the window. There was another check. Then somebody walked in off uh, the street, one of our congregation members who hadn't tithed for a long, long time. And she came and she said, I... I don't know why we just haven't been in a situation to give, but today 
I just felt moved. I've got to, we've got to um, honor God with our finance. And she handed over a rather large um, sum of money. By the end of that day, we were about $40 short of $5,000. You know, sometimes we have to run out in order that we can run into God's provision. The second thing that we need to do when when we find ourselves in financial need, is we have to get our focus right. In verse 19, it says, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. In his time of need, Jesus didn't look at the crowd and he didn't look at the five loaves and the two fish alone. He saw the crowd, he saw the, two, two lo- the, the, the five loaves and the two fish, but then he lifted up his eyes towards heaven. And he looked up, and what did he see? I believe he saw the face of the Father who gives good gifts to his children. You know, when we're in need, it's so easy to look at the bills. And it's so easy to look at the the, the lack of money we have in our bank account. Lose a, um, a bookkeeper, and she came to me one day, and she was crying, sitting at the kitchen table crying. And she had all these bills piled up, and then she had our financial bank statement. And she's crying. She says, oh, Stephen, we've got all these bills here, and that's how much money we've got in the bank, and I just don't know what we're going to do. What, what are we going to do? And I said, well, look, I'm not very good at maths, but I just know that that or that can't pay that. So we can only do two things. The first thing is we'll do is laugh, because it's preposterous, isn't it? We, there's no way we can, we can pay that. And the other thing we'll do is we'll just pray. We'll look to heaven. There's nothing else we can do in this situation. The third thing that we're to do if we want to see God's supernatural supply is we need to be thankful for what we have. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, Jesus gave thanks and broke the loaves. Before anything miraculous happens, we just got to be grateful for what we already have, even if it's only five loaves and two fish. We need to be grateful for the little, little that we have. Number four, we need to be generous with what we have. It says, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, Jesus gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then Jesus gave them to the, to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. We need to be generous with what we have. And it's actually in the act of, of generosity, in the act of giving, that somehow God multiplies what we have. There is a mystery to this that is unexplainable. But somehow, when we're generous, God sees that and God moves. And that's why, as a church, um, I made some pretty big decisions about uh, staffing issues here in order that we could, become, we could begin to give as a church. Because I realize that unless we give, unless we support others outside of ourselves, we're not going to see God's supernatural supply. We sow before we see God supply. So I want us this morning, at the start of a new financial year, to um, pray a prayer for those who would like to stand and, and pray with me this morning. Pray for ourselves, for our own families, and f- for our own needs. You know, we live in a, in a world where there is a lot of financial demands and requirements on us, and 
and as a family, we know that it's, things are tight. But also stand as a church and pray this prayer over, over us as a community as well. And actually believe God for God's provision in our life. So those of you who would like to stand, you're welcome to stand as we uh, pray over our finances um, for this financial year. Let's pray together. We lift our eyes to heaven, to the Father who is our provider. We thank you for all the good things that you have given us. Help us to be generous toward others with our resources. We trust you to supply all of our needs in the coming year. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close with the benediction now, and I've invited Mike to come and read a, a scripture for us um, from 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 8, verses 9 and 10. Thanks. God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As Scripture says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Amen. Go in peace.